Welcome to Best Friends Finance. I'm Laura Ford, and I am here today with my co-host and best friend, Amanda Kessler. You know, we started this podcast, Amanda, to help empower other women to take control of their future by talking about money with friends. We made it into our 40s with our heads firmly planted in the sand about knowing nothing about money and finances. Today, we're so excited, Amanda, about to have our very first. Not only is he a man, he's also a teen investor, and we are super excited to have Jack as a guest today on our podcast. We really are. So you guys, we're really excited to introduce Jack Rosenthal. Jack is the founder of the Young Investors Club and the author of three books. You guys, he's 18 years old, Teen Entrepreneurship, Teen Investing, and Teen Investing 101. Jack founded the Young Investors Club in 2015, and it's one of the largest teen-only investment organizations in North America. The organization has over 80 members slash investors and over $100,000 in assets under management. This club was built by teens for teens, and it's a tightly a tightly knit community of young investors who collectively invest and learn about the stock market. Most of the club's members are between the ages of 13 to 19 years old. And unlike other investment organizations, being part of the Young Investors Clubs gives teens the opportunity to learn about capital markets and invest real money in real markets. So of course, we're totally fascinated by this as people who waited to learn this stuff until we were over 40. So Jack, welcome to Best Friends Finance. We're so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me on and uh, hello to all your listeners out there. Jack, we always start our episodes with our guest's money story and yours has got to be a doozy because we want to know how did your parents raise you around money to be so interested in personal finance and investing at such a young age? Yeah. Yeah. So I got this question on a podcast yesterday, so I think I'll give like a similar kind of answer. So the my first experience in investing was set up by my grandfather. When I was eight years old, he set up an investment account for me. Like many grandfathers, he gave his grandson like a small stock portfolio and said, hey, here's some money, Jack. You can choose whatever you want to invest in. And hopefully this will grow by the time you're 18 and much older. So he, he got me started investing. He did that when I was eight years old. And I've been learning about investing ever since. Um, I chose, like, I think, my first like 16 stocks then out of that portfolio, watched them grow, watched some do bad and some do uh, well, and then kind of learned from which ones did well and kept trying to make similar patterns in my future investments. Um, and then kind of from there, just kind of going on to like my story. So when I was 14 years old, I decided to found this thing called the Young Investors Club. And basically the reason behind why I founded that was I was looking for other teen investment organizations nearby me and online, and I couldn't find any that invested real money. There were a ton that used like fake stock market portfolios, like everyone gets a fake $100,000 and you see who has the most money at the end of the year. But I found with those, a lot of kids would just throw all their money in a penny stock and hope it goes up. And then the winner would just be some kid who got a lucky 10x investment. But it wasn't really teaching them anything about real investing. So when I was 14, I decided to found this thing called the Young Investors Club. Um, I started off with one member, just me. And by the end of that first year, we recruited 20 members and the buy-in works is each person puts in a thousand dollars and then we collectively invest that money together. You still get your ownership of that $1,000 if you want to take it out at some point, which many do like at the end when they finish high school. But, um, but yeah, that's the way that it works. So it was $20,000 at the end of my first year, then junior, sophomore year, junior year, kept growing it. Junior year, I was like, you know what? I have something cool here. I think we're up to like 40,000 assets, close to 40 members. I got something cool here. I want to take this thing to the biggest, largest teen uh, investing club in the country. And we basically kept growing. We went like super rapid expansion that year, sent out thousands of emails, hundreds of phone calls to parents and 
and people that were related to people in the network. And, uh, and we grew that club to over $120,000 in assets and close to 100 members. And, uh, and then finally, high school, senior year, finished up with the club. I always wanted a high school to run it. That was my original plan. So as I was going off to college, I wanted to pass off to another high schooler to keep running it. But I figured, let me leave the club with a parting, book, uh, parting gift. And that's when I wrote my first book, Teen Investing, which kind of went over all my investment principles. I'd learned and taught other teenagers from, invest, from running the club and uh, really just any kind of practical advice any teenager interested in investing could, uh, could use. That is incredible. I am purchasing this book for my teen. Um, we're totally blown away by your story, Jack, but I have to ask, you have grown up in a generation that is all about instant gratification. I have a teenager, as I just said, and I mean, if there's a phone in hand, if they don't experience boredom, there's, there's just instant entertainment at all times. They want to talk to a friend. There's suddenly a face appearing on their phone. Um, there's not really a, it's not really a culture of waiting and, and anticipation and long-term thinking. Not that you can't think long-term, but you know what I mean. So how do you um, help create this understanding in other teens about long-term investing? Yes. Yeah, so this kind of gets into a question I was asked. It's like, okay, Jack, like I have a son or it could be a daughter, whatever. Like uh, every single time I give them a hundred bucks or they earn a hundred bucks or something, they just spend it. <laughs> and it was like, it was like, so how do you teach them not to do that? And I actually have a pretty simple method of how to do that. So the way that I've always thought about it, here's how it works for me. Anytime that like, let's say a parent handed you some money for like a birthday gift, or you earn some money, like a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, thousand dollars. What I think of it is I don't think that I just got $200. I think that I got 5% a year off $200. So I just got $10 a year for the rest of my life. And then that $10 is mine to use and mine to play with. But the $200 doesn't actually belong to me. That's for the investment account. I only get the $10 a year uh, interest or investment income off of that. So that's the way that I look at it. And that's how I encourage other teenagers to look at it. Take your money, invest it all, and then basically live off the cash flow or spend the cash flow. Oh my goodness. I'm just blown away, as Amanda said, by you and the way that you're the way that you choose to perceive that $200. So just thinking out loud, I have nephews that are graduating and boys are so hard to buy for. They're graduating high school. Do you, have you thought about creating like a post-graduate um, group for young investors? Because I'm thinking what an incredible gift because I'm texting all of my sisters and my um, sister-in-laws and I'm asking them, okay, what do the boys want for graduation? They're like, green is their favorite color. And, you know, I know it is, but I don't want to just give them two or $300. I would love to set them up with something um, that would pay them dividends over the next, you know, 20 years of their life or whatever that looks like. Yeah. I mean, you could buy, if they have a stock account, you could help facilitate setting up a stock or buying a, like a share or a part of a share of a stock that you think would be cool for them. I mean, I could tell you like personally, I think friends of mine would be more happy to receive like a gift of like a percentage of a share of Amazon than they would like the actual money. Cause they know that that's probably going to appreciate over time. You can also buy them a bond and you just kind of hand that to them. Tons of different ways you could just basically pass off an investment to someone else rather than just giving them cold, hard cash that they're likely to just waste and uh, never see again. Okay. So that leads me to my que next question. Who is joining you? Like what are the types of people? How young is your youngest investor? Yep. 
Uh, the youngest investor, I think the youngest one, we had, we had to like kind of cut off the age limit because this question, we, we got like 10 year olds applying. And I was like, you know, we have a big age gap in this group. We can't have an 18 year old and a 10 year old in this group. It just, it's not going to work. The levels of thought, sorry to the 10 year olds out there. I believe me, I thought I was the smartest kid in the world when I was 10 too, but it's a little bit of a different level. So I think we cut it off at like 14 was the minimum. We did 14 to 18. So basically anyone in high school, uh, can apply to the club and the youngest people were just freshmen in high school. Uh, that makes perfect sense. And how do you find, how do you go about finding your prospects? I mean, you said you were doing a lot of emailing and phone calling, but what yeah, does that look so, like? Totally. So the way, when I started the club, I was like, I'm not going to start this unless I can find a larger organization we can partner with. That's going to like almost guaranteed get us members. Cause I didn't want to just start the club just to start the club. I wanted to start and make sure we had guaranteed members inside. So we partnered with a much larger parent network that, it took six months of going through hurdles and emailing one person at the bottom of the chain and then up the chain and then sending the next person. And then three people would have to approve it and a bunch of emails and phone calls. But finally we got on like this platform basically with this, this much larger parent organization across the East coast agreed to partner with us. And basically the way it worked is they would send out email blasts to their members who are primarily parents promoting this club so that their children could join. And uh, that that's really how we grew the club. If it weren't for that partnership, we wouldn't have grown the club, but that partnership really allowed us, I think it helped both entities. It helped us because we got a ton of new members and it was kind of like a cool offering for their kids or their members. These kids are coming to the table with a thousand dollars. Is that right? Yeah. thousand dollars is the, it was started off at seven fifty, and then it moved up to a thousand. So Laura and I were talking beforehand. We're like, how many of these kids are bringing like truly like their babysitting money, their table busing money, and how many have a thousand dollars from their parents? Do you have a sense from that of that? Oh yeah. It definitely at least half comes from the parents. Um, and then the other half, probably their own money. It kind of depends on each situation, but yeah, no, there's definitely parents like helping to facilitate their, uh, their entry membership investment. I'm, I think I'd be way more inclined to help facilitate an entry into investment for their future than, you know, buy a horse or whatever, whatever my, my teenager would really like me to do. Um, Okay, Jack, we are super curious, and you said you're willing to talk about this, about your investment portfolio. And just to give you a little bit of a background, we have had a lot of um, fire experts on our podcast, people who are pursuing financial independence, early retirement, and a lot of talk about Vanguard funds and index funds. So what do you think about index funds versus individual stocks? What is in your portfolio? In my portfolio, should I pull it up right now? Should we see what I have? Sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. Okay. So let me talk about my latest investment, which I think we can't talk about investing without dabbling into cryptocurrency for a second. So one of my latest investments is I bought uh, $5,000 worth of Ethereum like three weeks ago. And then that shot up to like $7,000 worth of value in like three weeks later. So I was very happy with that investment. That's like my latest, just like hot tech investment. But the majority of my portfolio is in the stock market. Um, let's see what we got of it. Do have a lot of the S and P 500. So I used to do like a lot more of an active management, choose a couple different stocks that I really believed in, kind of hold them long term. Then I've kind of shifted now. Now that I don't put as much focus, I got a lot of other projects. I got working on books and et cetera, other things. Put a lot of it in the S&P 500, which is a great way to just kind of passively grow. It beats a lot of the returns of a lot of the other investment funds and ETFs you could possibly invest in. I think the S&P 500 has beat like the majority of hedge fund managers. So it's actually a very strong investment, very low fees. I really like it. I've been investing in it for a while. 
And yeah, I got, I guess you could say I got lucky at the time that I started investing in S&P 500 when I was 14 years old, the stock market's just been on a bull run ever since. So I've really gotten a lot of that appreciation. So the majority of it is the S&P 500. I also own some match group, which I think is going to be a strong stock. I own some Berkshire Hathaway, really amazing investment. Upwork, I also own some of that. Yeah, that's, uh, those are some of those different stocks I I've always find it comforting when a guest um, confirms something that we talk about a lot. And for listeners who are new to investing, we do talk about index funds and just investing in the S&P 500 as a whole as a pretty safe bet because historically it really has grown. Gosh, I feel I feel like the average is 9 or 10% um, since the inception of the market. So, I mean, of course, there's down years, there's recessions, there's the Great Depression, but overall, when you average it out, it's it's ticking upward. So that is a pretty safe investment. And I love that you say it's, you know, those those index funds are beating a lot of other funds because investing is for everybody. And I mean, I think that's what you prove starting investing at such a young age. People get really um, intimidated by the idea of investing in the stock market. But what do you have to say to those people? Yeah, no, it's not intimidating at all. It's so simple. Even an eight-year-old can do it or a 10-year-old. I've seen tons of 14-year-olds do it from the club. Um, and yeah, going back to the S&P 500 index fund, I mean, that is such a phenomenal investment. It's such a phenomenal investment vehicle for most people. And I'd say especially kids. Because kids are investing for the long run. They can wait. Even if there's a 20% dip one year, they don't need the money right now, which makes it probably the number one investment I'd say for kids. If I would say, if you're a kid, you should take most of the money in your bank account, rather than getting that half a percent or less interest rate, put it all in the S&P. Don't touch it, put in the S&P 500 and just wait 20 years. And it's extremely likely to be worth a lot more. Okay, so your group meets via Zoom or conference calls once a month. Is that correct? Once a quarter. Well, oh, I'm sorry. Once a quarter. So in those in those meetings, do you just talk about trading stocks and what's hot and what's not? Do you talk about compound interest? Like, Do you talk about all the facets of investing and what it will actually do for you long term? Yeah. So so we talk about a lot of different topics. The majority of it is a lot of times it's existing members that are already on these calls. So they're already kind of familiar with investing and the benefits of it. So we just kind of look at the portfolio and figure out how we're going to restructure it. So like, okay, what do we want to sell this quarter? What do we want to buy more of? Um, how much do we want to have in cash? Okay. We have some cash positions. What do we want to do with that? Like for one time we actually made a smart decision. We had like, I think 30,000 or something just sitting in cash. We're like, Hey, let's put this in a, um, in a dividend in a dividend, or no, not in a dividend, in a um, in a bond ETF, and we just got four percent a year instead of just leaving any cash. So we, made a, we make a whole bunch of different decisions on those quarterly calls. And that's really where we rebalance our portfolio. Jack, tell us what advice do you have for moms that are listening that want to help their kids, you know, pursue their financial futures and and get them on board with investing? Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, I'd say the biggest thing is buy my book, Teen Investing, by Jack Rosenthal on Amazon. There you go. That's the biggest thing. But honestly, that book has actually helped a ton of other people. What I think is so great about it is it's written by a teenager. There's a lot of investment books, a lot of teen investment books, but very few of them are written by a teenager, not to mention a teenager with some experience investing in the stock market. Um, so yeah, I'd definitely say like, if you want to, if you want to kind of get your children some kind of education or a book that's going to really help them with investing and kind of teach them about how they can invest in the future, definitely say my book. Um, as far as other advice, here's the plan that I lay out. And I, I think it's actually a really cool plan. This is a great note to leave your listeners off on. So for any any teenager that's interested in getting involved in investing, the very first thing you need to do is bank like your first $5,000. I know it sounds like a lot of money at first to a teenager, $5,000. Well, that's a lot of Xboxes or something like that. 
But if you work a summer job for 10 to $15 an hour, you work a few hours a week, every single week for eight weeks of the summer, you do that for like two summers, you can easily save up $5,000. Not to mention if you work during the year, not to mention any other ways of making money, not to mention if your parents give you birthday gifts, whatever the case may be. Not a very hard thing to do. So the first thing you need to do is bank your first 5000 and then invest it all in the stock market. Uh, you can decide whether you want to be a passive investor and put in the S&P 500 or choose your stocks particularly. And then as you just keep getting more income, keep adding that portfolio. And that's that's my, my plan for all teenagers. That's how I think all teenagers can do really, really well. And I lay out a more kind of comprehensive plan in addition in the book. So one thing that you didn't mention was a lot of teens, especially, you know, that 14 to 16 year old age, they're thinking about one thing and that's their first car. Yep. So it depends. It depends. What do you want to use the money for? So like if you have a goal that you want to save up the money for college or maybe it's like college spending money, or you want to use it for your first car, then the full sole goal of that stock market portfolio should be to invest in that or to put your money in that one thing. Or let's say, you already have a way of method of getting a car. You're going to borrow your older brother or older sisters. Then you could just kind of save it all up for college or for the rest of your life. So it just kind of depends on what you're looking to use the money for. It's really, I mean, it, you're right. It, it definitely differs for each person, but getting creative is part of the puzzle there. Well, I'm excited because I am going to purchase your book a times three for my three nephews that are all graduating from high school this year. And um, I look forward to sharing them and making sure that they listen to this podcast. Awesome. Me too. And uh, yeah, let me know what they think of the book. Jack, thank you so much. This conversation was worth a million. We're going to link to your Amazon page with all of your books in our show notes so our listeners can find them. Um, but for on behalf of Laura and I, I have to say we find you wildly inspiring. And our kids are going to hear from us shortly after we finish recording this episode. Awesome. Thanks for your time today, Jack. Thank you so much for having me on. Real pleasure. Absolutely. What a cutie. Oh my gosh, he is a cutie. And full of personality. Yeah. I mean, wow. really, there was no surly teenage boyness going on there. He was just darling. He was. And he's got his stuff together. And I love that. I mean, you just, you know, his parents have to be so proud. So what's what's your takeaway? What, what are you going to go talk to your girls about now? Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, you can never go backwards. I think immediately in my mind, I'm like, oh, I wish we would have started sooner. Or, you know, I'm talking about my three nephews that are graduating from high school. You know, they're not there yet, but it's it's never too late. <laughs> we always keep saying this, right? It's never too late. But um, I think that's my biggest. I mean, he was kind of inspiring, right? Like he's not intimidated about $5,000 and he's not worried about like the stuff, you know, the big fancy car or truck or whatever. Like he is very clear about what his mission is. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think he's so inspiring to so many teens and I'm excited to start sharing his book. I think about my youngest daughter who is a saver and she has, she has one investment account, but we have not been consistently adding to it, but she just saves and saves her allowance. So I'm thinking it's time to do something with that and how to instill a little savings into my older daughter who spends every dollar she makes on horses and horse things, which is wonderful. Um, but ultimately I'd love to get her on this path. And then my own personal takeaway is I've been dabbling with the thought of just, you know, putting a little bit of fun money just for fun in Ethereum. Jack confirmed that I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to put a little bit of fun money. And, and once I, I make back what I put in, I'm, I will call it good, but I just want to see what happens. It's so funny. His timing was about three weeks ago and we did the same thing about three weeks ago. So did you, we, but we didn't do $5,000 worth. We did a little bit less fun money. Okay. 
but yes. And you've gotten to watch it grow. So that's fun. Gotten to watch it grow a little bit. Yes. But it means like anything else, it comes up and it comes down. Exactly. exactly. Absolutely. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, we hope that you join us on social media. We're at Best Friends Finance on Facebook and Instagram, and you can subscribe to never miss an episode and get the best friends in your inbox at bestfriendsfinance.com. And of course, we'd love it if you leave us a five-star review. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone that you think will be inspired to listen to this and share it with their networks. Just copy and paste the link wherever you're listening to us from. And if this is the first time that you're here, we would love it if you would hit the subscribe button over on wherever you get your um, podcast from and to so you can stay up to date from all across the globe with all things Best Friends Finance. So you can help us be part of the conversation to help empower other women on their journey to financial freedom. Because when women talk about money, it's worth a million. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>